We are speaking with the one and only Michael Sadler from the band Saga. The new album is Symmetry. Uh, it is out later in March. And as we say in Montreal, bonjour, Michael. Comment allez-vous? How are you? I am doing just fine, thank you. And all things considered, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, 2020 is behind us, and uh, that's that's I I have no objection to that whatsoever. But yeah, survived it. I mean, you know, people talk about how terrible a year it was, but um, apart from not being able to play live and that for us musician types, um, it really it, it had a bit of a silver lining in that it gave us um, the touring musicians a chance to be at home and and reconnect with family, and especially you know with my son, he's just turned 13, and uh, we've we've had a whole year to just be in close quarters and really you know have that quality time together so in a sense it had its it had its positive uh, positive spin well I'll tell, I'll tell you two things that that's going to be positive first of all things like this create innovation if you look at any of the great disruptions over the years whether it's the great depression or world war ii or any the 10 years that come after always seem to have all kinds of new technologies new advances new this so i'm hoping that it will lead to that but also you know, I look at a lot of the bands that have talked about breaking up and about moving forward, UFO and Elton John. And and in recent interviews, they're all like, yeah, you know what? We're, we're kind of rested now. We, we might just stick around. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've know. had a chance to think about it. We've got a lot more to say. So here we come. Yeah, it's well, it, the yeah. And, and the other thing about um the the down period and and which is good for creativity because you have a chance to you don't have a lot of other options you're not going anywhere really so um i would not be surprised if if 2021 and into 2022 there's a lot of new music coming this year that uh, you know musicians have had a chance to put together and and now finally release and hopefully tour by the end of the year which would be great so. which would be great and, and and you're right you know there's a lot of bands that i like that have uh, released or had albums ready for 2020 and they decided to hold off and in the next like six weeks i think i've got like nine albums to buy and it's just like yeah yeah and yeah. i buy I, i'm a buyer i, I don't do good the streaming good nonsense good sorry yeah, I, I don't mind people uh, doing the streaming thing because i mean you can you know as musicians we can complain and say we see one cent for every million streams or whatever but <clears throat> or point zero 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 one or whatever the 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 you know amount is um but it is getting the music out there and you it's it's going to happen anyway so you're going to get something as opposed to nothing but um as long as people it's a platform for people to hear it and if they like it and and they are like yourself they are buyers they will go okay you know i i it, it saves me the risk of buying something that perhaps there's only one song on the album that i like or whatever but um it will give give the listeners a chance to check it out first and then you know uh, hopefully potentially buy the buy the product buy the product which is important so let's talk quickly about symmetry because you know, when you look back at uh, at the band's history and you look at some of those early performances in the 80s, you notice there's a lot of keyboard, there's a lot of electronic drums, there's all kinds of stuff. You, you guys were right into the forefront on the technology. You liked it. Uh, how was it to, to sort of strip it back and, and, and get into the acoustic stuff? Because this is not just a guitar and a voice. There are moods, there are, uh, you know, there, there are dynamics, there's all kinds of stuff. So you didn't just you know, sit on a bar stool and punch this out. You, you still made it saga. But how well, was it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of built into the music itself to a degree, so you can't really get too far away from it. But it was really a kind of like no toys allowed approach. Um, 
So, so it's like you take away a kid's electronics and suddenly it's back to the days of, you know, getting a piece of wood and putting some wheels on it and making a little car yourself and hand making it instead of, you know, uh, video games and, uh, and such. But it was it was yeah. one one mistake that people might initially make when they read that we've done an acoustic album is that, oh, you know, great. Just what the world needs is a, a band doing acoustic versions of their songs. But it's not that it's much more than that. And and once people um, who think that way have a chance to hear it, they go, oh, I get it. This is not just them sitting on bar stools with acoustic guitar and, and a bongo. Um, when you translate, though, you can't of, under undervalue a bongo in a song. You just can't. you can't <laughs> or a cowbell or, or a cowbell. cowbell. You need both. That's the next yeah, album. <laughs> yeah, next one. We're saving that. Um, pulling out all the styles and going full on Latin. Um, I, you know, it was really a matter of going. You know what? Let, let's let's strip everything away, and and we have to reinvent these songs. Um, the biggest, I think, the biggest uh, compromise or, or adjustment to be made was probably from Ian's. Um, side of things, and then followed by mine. But uh, Ian, you know, not being able to play electric guitar at all, uh, and doing the bulk of it on acoustic guitar, a little bit of mandolin and, and banjo here and there, um, his was the biggest challenge, I think. Um, and then mine uh, was, I mean, I couldn't sing, I mean, songs, for example, like, like Wind Him Up, um, you take away all the synths and the size of the song, and you strip it down, and, and it's a much more laid back, obviously, approach. Uh, I couldn't sing songs like that the way I sang them originally, or on the the uh, you know studio version or live version, the, the full blown um, uh, synths happening, and, and of course the drums and that. So I, I had to readjust melodies. I had to think about it wasn't just a matter of taking something down the octave because it was a quieter piece. Sometimes the octave didn't work, so I would have to reinvent um, a new melody and still get the same. Uh, feeling across. Um, so yeah, it was challenging for me in that respect. It was a fun challenge, but but a challenge nonetheless, but ultimately very, very satisfying. It worked out. And I, I am going to ask you about the voice in a second, but just take me, walk me back to the beginning when, when the band forms here out in Oakville and you decide we're going to go with the synths and we're going to go with all this, you know, electronic stuff. Because you look at the bands that were around at that time, whether it was the Led Zeppelins or the Rolling Stones or, or, or Kiss, and you know there was there was there was either a lot of big showmanship or there was a lot of big stuff, or the punk was stripping everything down. How did you come to not just be, you know, bass, drum, guitar, voice, and have all this other stuff? Is it just you're fascinated with technology? You want to create your own sound? How did you sort of go down that route? You know, I I don't know so much a, a fascination with technology as discovering the fact that that um, using technology and using those tools was a way to get what we wanted in terms of how we we wanted the the, the music to sound uh, Jim and I were heavily influenced by early early progressive stuff the you know gentle giant was uh, at, the, at the top of the list in terms of influence at the time uh, early Genesis uh, yes um, so it really was means to an end the technology made it made it easier for us to achieve <clears throat> that kind of sound obviously um <clears throat> but when we first started i mean the, there was only monophonic synthesizers so we literally to re to uh, create chords like pad like strings for example we had to record one note at a time and multi-track it so that you had a three or four note chord uh that's the only way we could play chords into the the reel-to-reel -reel machine that we had so 
again, it, it was using the technology that was there uh, to make our life easier in terms of, of getting to that sound. Uh, we knew what we wanted to sound like, uh, but not, um, I don't know specifically, you know, we want to sound exactly like, like that and like pick it apart and analyze it, but we knew what kind of sound and what kind of influence was going to be there. Um, and then just let things happen naturally. Um, and when it was time to to get a really cool sound, we had to, you know, improvise or, or use the tech that was there at the time. And then, you know, as, as it went along, um, we jumped on on the newest tech that was happening at the time. Not all of it was was great and not all of it was appropriate for us to use. Uh, didn't fit in with the sound or whatever. But uh, we tried to stay as cutting edge or on top of things as we possibly could. Well, yeah, and and you, you cannot underestimate the uh, the value and importance of a Lindrum. Those are, <laughs> I mean, come on, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it 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 is the sound of the eighties, you know. Is it though? <laughs> it's so you know. I, I was talking to uh, to John Nicola and Huey Lewis not, not too long ago, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we lose Lind's drum," and I'm like, "No, you didn't." You, you you have ruined so, my so, yeah so you're so you're the one, so you're the ones that did it <laughs> terrible but um let me just talk to quickly about the the recording process because back then like as you said it, it was so much more labor intensive yeah but yet there was such a magic of having four guys or five guys or whatever you know the band in the recording studio all together you know, arm in arm. Now you can fly stuff in and you pro tool stuff and I can send it to you in Vancouver and you can send it to me in Dusseldorf and right. you don't even have, um, how, how do you prefer to record or, or should I say, how does the band prefer to record? Do you still like faces uh, it in a studio or you're like, nah, eh, dude, I'll just send it to you and send it when you're yeah, done. Yeah. You know, you run the risk of losing the humanity of, of, of the music and, uh, the, uh, when it comes to new material, if it was a brand new studio album, I much, much prefer and always will the, the five guys in the room, four guys, whoever's available at the time, but, you know, sitting there working on the song together and building the song and feeling the song and, and you know, as recording as much as you can off the floor. Um, yeah, I would still prefer that. The the thing about doing um, uh, symmetry was because of the lockdown and the isolation. Um, it was not the kind of record where we had to work on the parts. These were parts uh, or songs that we knew inside out. I've been singing these songs forever. It feels like, so I knew these songs and everybody knows their parts. So for symmetry, it was really a matter of each individual investigating their own part and putting a new spin on it. So for that, the isolation and the, you know, the seclusion was good for that. Um, you know, still sharing files, obviously, like this is what I did today. How do you, you know, how does, how does this approach to the chorus sound vocally and that, but it was really a matter of, uh, left to our own devices. So for that, it was perfect, but ultimately, uh, a new album, new studio album, it's gotta be the guys in the same room as far as I'm concerned, if possible, yeah. it's, it's gotta be that way. I do too. And, and I'll ask you one follow up on that is, okay, so you've got all the guys in the room, you've got that humanity, the face to face thing. Is it just, you know, get a take, two takes, three takes, and then we'll go from there? Or do you want to mutt-lang it to death and just, all right, record this guitar part 87 times, and then let's pick the best two notes of it and then comp it? Like, you know, how do you yeah, sort of... I, no, I, I, the only time, um, the only time I, I, that you'll really do comping, as far as I'm concerned, it's necessary or, or a good idea or a time saver or whatever, is uh, like solos for Ian. 
um, or or lead, even lead vocals for me. I will do four tracks all the way through without thinking about it and and just listen to the performance. You're never going to get a, a, a performance from beginning to end uh, that is a keeper, I don't think, unless you're going for just a complete raw sound and that's the idea of doing it. But you, you're going to hit a, a, a bum note here and there or, or your throat seizes up for a couple of words or whatever. So I will just do one take all the way through about four, like four tracks usually. And uh, at that point, not so much comping, but just making sure you get the best performance because they're going to be very, very similar. So it's not really cheating in that respect. You're just making sure that it's a clean recording, really. Same thing with the in solos, although with the in solos, um, it's a whole feel thing. So it's a matter of recording a few. Um, but yeah, you'll get that 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 performance raw and fresh because it's not a matter of, you, especially with a solo, you can't, that's all almost pure emotion. And you can't just go, you know, I'll do three bars of this and then we'll, we'll cut and paste that, that part in there because that's a really cool slide you did on that note. And that it doesn't work that way. So um, for the most part, it's it's like a one take wonder thing, and you you've got to feel it. Neon's got to be in the right mood and that kind of thing. Yeah, so the you know you pre preserve the the human feeling uh, of the track, and that's the difference between recording, you know, uh, cut and paste and sampling and that kind of thing. You can hear it at the end of the day, and I think the the audience, without realizing it, and the listener um, can tell when it's been done by the guys sitting in the same room and when it's been constructed as it were, the, the, it's, it's an intangible that I think people can hear and feel, you know? So. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And that said, by the way, uh, Brian Adams recently announced that he's working with Mutt Lang on a new album. And I was like, Oh, I'm kind of excited. <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's, that's kind of cool. cool. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. just speaking of Brian and, and, and the, let me just take you back to the rock scene. Cause you, you look at the early seventies, or the, the sorry the late seventies in Vancouver, and you had Jim Valance and Bruce Allen, and the Loverboy guys moved over there, and you had you know the studio and Mark Lafron. There was a whole thing going on. How was it in in Oakville and I guess around Toronto? I mean, you had the Helix guys, and and I guess eventually the Killer Dwarves. But was there a sense of community? Was there a sense of we're all in this together? Or there, there was. Okay. Yeah, there was. In, in when we when we started out and started doing the club scene regularly, I mean Toronto itself was so vibrant and so alive with music. And there was a, a, a handful of us. There was, you know, there's Max Webster, ourselves, uh, Zahn, uh, Rheingold, um, Streetheart. Um, and and there was a, a club scene that it was like on a rotation basis of Gasworks, the Abbey Road, Piccadilly Tube and such. And and it was like you were playing these places every six weeks. So we were just following each other around and, and the same bands playing the same places every once in a while. It was a great scene back then. And, and it really was a matter of, you know, we're, we, we could all feel it. And it was really alive and it was really healthy. And, and there was a lot of great music that came out at the time. There was. Have we lost that in, in 2021? I mean, you know, let's say your your son or whoever wants to go start a band. Will they face the same kind of, of scene and camaraderie or is it really sort of different these days, you think? Well, they, 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 the venue, first of all, the venues really don't exist the way they did. The scene is completely different. Um, it's it's all about social media, which is, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's the new platform. Um, the only downside to social media, it allows for a lot of, of not so good music to, <laughs> to, to be available. But um, 
I'm sure that that there there's a the a camaraderie and a and a community out there, uh, but it's certainly not the same as as it was, and I I don't don't think it will be. And but there's nothing wrong with that. No. He'll be facing a different scene if he even decides to to go into the music business at all. No. Um, but I'm sure it exists. Um, but uh, I don't think it, it it exists and can't possibly exist the way it did then. And and uh, it uh, did then. So let me take you to social media for a second, then I'll get back to symmetry. But but uh, in 2017, you you tweeted out, "Listen, it's been four decades. We love you. Goodbye. See you later." Um, what changed from that tweet that you sent out from uh, January 19th, 2017, to now? Where where did you sort of say, "Hey, you know what? This is still fun. I'm, all right, I made a mistake. Oops." <laughs> Oops, my bad. Uh, you know what? Well, it was slightly uh, misinterpreted at the time because it wasn't. If, if people search the the actual message in the text, um, I didn't say that was the end of the band per se. Uh, it wasn't a moratorium on on Saga. It was a moratorium on the the relentless live touring and live showing and being on the road. So we were putting the brakes on touring as such. Um, as you know, as you said, it, it had been 40 years. It was a lovely ride, and we thought, you know what, we're a little uh, not tired, but exhausted is more the word. And 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 we've been missing a lot of stuff uh, personally at home, and this and that. And let's let's at least take a hiatus and and right. put this. Uh, and by the way, I do have the message in front of me, so I'm, I'm I'm trying to see where I could misinterpret this. It says this marks four <laughs> decades of writing, recording, and touring as a band. However, after much deliberation and discussion. My brothers and I have regretfully decided that after 40 incredible years together, 2017 will be Sega's final chapter. I mean, I'm not a PhD in English, but that... Uh, uh, (laughs) Oh, sorry, there's the silent of touring at the end of that. (laughs) 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 You got to read the fine print. You got to read the fine print, okay. But be that as I may, even even if it were a, a, you know, okay, that's it, you know, 40 years, that was a nice ride, thank you everybody very much, blah, blah, blah. It really was a, you know, not to be a cliche like, well, backed by popular demand, but it just got to that point where people were saying, you know, we were, you know, come on, you know, at least create some new music or this or that. And and, and to be honest, we started, the, the strange thing was, we started getting offers after um, six months or, or, you know, coming up on a year. Um, to play again and do concerts again and the offers we were getting were were higher than than we'd ever experienced uh across the board or at least uh, um, of late at that time and and we thought you know what uh well not only is it making sense financially to go out there but it's been long enough and and we all were starting to really miss it without saying you know admitting it to each other and the audience was doing the same thing, saying, just, you know, you know, really, can you reconsider that kind of thing? I had so many private messages saying, come on, you know, is it really, are you really done? I mean, you've got, you must have a little bit left in the tank. And, you know, as it turned out, there was more than a little left in the tank. I mean, we got out there and, and there was this new energy. I think in in hindsight, it was probably a very, very smart thing to do. And it was not calculated. It was not like, oh, it's one of those, uh, this is the final tour. No, oh, but you know what? I, I think that tour. happens, and I don't mean to cut you off, but when you look at Ozzy, you look at The Who, you look at uh, yeah. Kiss and Thunder and Score, I think there's there's a great relief, you know, psychologically speaking, you just go, we're done, and whew, you breathe out. And then yeah. after a while, you just go, you know what? But th- But this is me. I, I, this is me. I, I need to be this creative person. I need to... 
And and I, I don't really care about the, the whole it's a farewell tour. I think, you know, sometimes you just yeah. got to let go to know what I you think, have. You know what? I, I, you know, I think you're right. You're right. Now, I'll take that thought back to when I was in a band with, with Jim Crichton before Saga. Um, and we were we were you know doing quite well. We were doing the circuit and we were, we were like a cover band, but like covering obscure stuff and prog stuff and that. And that band broke up and um and I got out of the business for a while. I was doing some straight job things. I, I drove taxi. I was a graphic artist. And then I was a salesman for the graphic artist company, three-piece suit, company car, and the whole bit. And um, Jim called me and said that he'd written a few songs. And, and you know, did I feel like coming over and, and you know singing, uh, putting a vocal on these three or four songs he had? So I went over for dinner that night. And after supper, went in and, and sang a, a couple of songs. And had a great time doing it, and I'd forgotten how much how much fun it was, and how much I really liked doing that. And went to work the next day, and came home that day. Looked in the mirror with my three piece suit on, and I didn't recognize the guy uh, in the mirror. And I thought, who 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 are you? you? That's not you. The person that was singing on the songs last night, that's you. Uh, and I believe I quit the next day or the following day. And uh, just devoted my time to to getting this whole thing off the ground with Jim at the time. So, yeah, there comes a point when you realize, wait, you know what? This is me. The same thing happened when I left the band for a few years in 2007. And and, uh, at that point, it had been 30 years. And as far as I was concerned, uh, it was, you know, I'm I'm gone. And uh, it was fairly final. Meanwhile, I think in the way in the back of my mind, I thought at some point I would probably, re, you know, consider either coming back to uh, Saga or uh, continuing something else or whatever. But I, I think in the back of my mind, I, I kind of had the feeling I'd be back in some form or another. But for for that time, uh, when I made that announcement, that was it. But you know, the years went by, and I spoke to Jim a little bit, and I thought, you know what, um, we talked about the possibility of my return, um, and I said, well, you know. The first thing that has to happen, three things have to happen. I have to, you know, discuss it with my family because family comes first at the moment. Um, and secondly, um, you you have to do, you know, run this by the other guys because it may be all well and good for you and I to think it's a good idea, but maybe the other guys don't want me back. Who knows, you know? Um, but ultimately, but more importantly, most importantly, you have to run this by Rob Marotti, who filled in for me for those years. Uh, you can't, you have to let him know immediately that we're even thinking about this or even talking about this out of respect for him. Um, but yeah, when I discussed it with with my wife, she said, you know what, ultimately, you know, this is what you do. Your your son is now almost four years old. He knows who his dad is. He's kind of aware of, of you know, from the YouTube and that kind of thing, what, what you do for a living and that you have to be away sometimes. So this is you. Uh, go go be you. That, that, that That's what makes up, you know, my husband. Uh, so. You know that that kind of made up my mind for me at that point. So yeah, in 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 uh, in looking back at it, I think you're right. I think bands that, that it's not a cold calculated thing. Like let's let's go off the road and drive the price up and come back with a reunion tour and we'll make even more money. That was just a byproduct of it. I think you're right. I think you once you get a chance to uh, recharge your batteries and look around, you you go. You know what? I, I missed it way more than I thought I was going to miss it, and it really is who I am. So. Yeah. It is. And and I think also, well, first of all, I think walking away, how can I put this? 
being a musician is 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 not a job you can walk away with. It is always you, and it, it always will be you. You know, at some point, you know, you hit sixty five. All right, I'm done being a teacher. I go, you know, I'm done. But right. but you can't do that with musician because no, you always no. you're going to stare at the guitar and you're just going to go. Okay, if yeah. I just played this note, it would sound so cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, something always draws you back, just when you thought it was safe, you know. But no, uh, it, it's 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 true. I mean, it's always there, and it's only a job. Um, because you're getting paid. You're only a professional because you get paid to do what you do. But but when you take away, um, you know, the, the monetary side of it and making a living from it, you're still a musician. Um, you're just not getting paid for it. So it's not your job. I mean, I never considered it a job anyway, but um, it's not a job in the sense you're not getting paid for it. But you're, you will always be a musician. How You can't just switch that off. You're right. No, and and, and I'll, I'll wrap up with these two, two last questions. But you know, that's where I think the COVID thing and the streaming thing will maybe benefit eventually is that you'll look at a guy like Elton John or the guys in the Scorpions and they'll say, you know what? Yeah, we're too old for 200 dates to fly to Australia and Germany, but we can do, you know, five global concerts, live streams a year and still give the folks a little bit of something while yet preserving our, you know. So I think we yeah, might. Yeah, and, and you're also in satisfying that urge to, to play live. And yes. yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with taking a breath and, and sitting back and going, OK, I do miss it. But you don't have to go back out and do those 200 shows a year and that kind of thing flying all over the place. You can be more selective about your time and, the, and, and, and where you play and when you play. Um, so everybody benefits by it, I think. And, and, and when you do finally get back out there again, you're on fire because you can't wait. The passion is so strong because you're not burnt out. You're not, you know, it's not becoming, you know, the, the fear of it becoming commonplace because you do it all the time. It's fresh and exciting every night you walk on stage. So. Yeah, absolutely. Here now we'll do a sort of yes and no, but, uh, Generation 13 was the whole sort of concept album where you had mentioned that, man, you'd love to be like Green Day and American uh, Idiot and so on and so on and get it to a stage and make it a whole big production. Uh, does that concept still excite you? And, and if not with Generation 13, do you want to write an album that you would, you know, specifically think, man, this is going to be great on Broadway? The the idea of it 100% still there. Yeah. Uh, whether it be th uh, Generation 13 or not, although I, I I firmly believe that Generation 13 presented properly would be really, really, really cool. Um, the other thought was to, uh, you know, now that all the chapters are, are a thing of, well, I say a thing of the past, it's kind of wrapped up, as it were. I would love to have that presented. Now, I don't know if that should be a stage production or that could be some kind of either film or video game or something. But I think there's a lot more can be done, especially visually with the with the chapters and the whole story. Oh, so that'd be great. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I would love to do something of that nature. I mean, I'd love to have something on 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 the stage. Uh, like you say, Generation Thirteen lends itself to some great visuals. So. Yeah, it really does. And here, well, well, we started with symmetry, so we'll just end with symmetry. In terms of the of the voice and re and recording your vocals, you know, when you when you come out and you do on the loose and you do all these songs and you're, I don't want to say you're screaming because you're not you're not a screaming type of singer, but you you know you sing loud and it's powerful right. and it's over the. Uh, how do you approach it when you know you sort of have to be maybe a little bit more soft or a little bit more nuanced? Is it a is it a challenge or it's just like nah, I got this. I'm I'm a pro. Oh no no, I may be I may be a pro and I can do what I do fairly well. But but of course, yeah, it was a tremendous challenge uh, on some songs more than others. Um, a great example is "Wind Him Up" because um, it's a it's a more intimate setting. Um, the bed that you've got. 
to sing on top of um, lends itself to a more nuanced uh, style of singing. And also, uh, you know, you you can't just, it's just not a matter of going, well, that's really high and you sing it with full voice and no problem. You can do that, but it doesn't suit it. So if you turn that into a softer version, you're, now you're dealing with falsetto. That doesn't suit it either. So you drop it down the octave, but it's too low. That leaves you with this middle ground of coming up with a, a new melody, essentially, in the verses of, of, uh, of Wind Em Up, um, that you had to, to still get across the, the same, you know, relatively the same phrasing. But you had, I had ended up having to change the melodies here and there um, to suit the track. So that's where the challenge came in, which made it exciting. I mean, it was challenging as heck, but, but at the end of the day, very, very satisfying when you realize that, that you now have almost a brand new song in the sense that you've had to revisit it and same with the end you know there's there's um songs that you would think without the electric guitar this is just not going to work um but then he had to do the same kind of thing well i've got an acoustic in my hand i still got to get you know put the song across and the, the part across but the same you know fury of, or or power chords aren't, aren't there i have to recreate that somehow uh, the intensity in another way and he managed to pull it off and and he you know i think he and i may have had the the greatest challenge in terms of of you know reinventing our our parts but um, and you keep it, it exciting was, it, was, it, it, it was fun <laughs> yeah and and it's it comes out of course on uh, march 12th uh, symmetry and uh, as we say here in montreal merci beaucoup and thank you by the way for all that music that I that I grew up on on the loose, wind them up. I mean, you know, thank you. <laughs> hey, when I when I, when I say it's been my pleasure, I, I truly mean that because I, I still you know pinch myself every day thinking I've been making a living for over forty years of doing something I love. So I, I'm, I consider myself blessed. So yes, it's been my pleasure. Absolutely, merci, monsieur. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Michael. Bye bye now. My pleasure, Mitch. <laughs> 